This podcast is proudly presented by Patagonia. Not bound by convention, Patagonia is in business to save our home planet. We get support from First Ascent Coffee. What if you could have the perfect cup outdoors and didn't have to settle for grocery store instant? With their commitment to keep jobs within a mountain community, they source and roast beans, brew up a big batch, and freeze dry it all under one roof in Crested Butte, Colorado. Use promo code CLIMBINGLOVE and we will know that you are supporting us in that way and get 20% off handcrafted instant coffee and whole bean. That's CLIMBINGLOVE at firstdescentcoffee.com. Good through March 2022. First Ascent connects you with all the hands who bring you coffee, from seed to cup. This podcast is sponsored by Deuter, one of the leading backpack brands that will help you hit the trails with confidence and comfort, but most importantly, your snacks. Deuter has a history of first ascents and alpine routes. Their head of product development even climbed Everest once in jeans. Hashtag not fake news. Founded in 1898, Deuter believes in fit, comfort, and ventilation. So you can focus on way cooler things like puppies, pocket bacon, and getting sendy, whether at the crag or in the alpine. Today we're going to talk about Ali. Ali means come on in a way or to encourage. Okay, we are done with the simple and normal uses of Ali. Now let's cut to the chase. LA Outdoor Personal Care products are made by climbers for those who love the outdoors. Their rich in repairing ingredients for their skincare collection are inspired by desert landscapes, and their simple and recyclable packaging makes them eco-sustainable. LA commits to protecting the open spaces that we love by partnering with the Access Fund and 1% for the Planet. That's LA Outdoor, A-L-L-E-Z. LA Outdoor, made by climbers for those who love the outdoors. This podcast gets support from Gnarly Nutrition, one of the leading protein supplements that tastes way better than they need to because they use quality natural ingredients. So whether you're a working mom who runs circles around your kids on weekends or an unprofessional climber trying to send that 513 in the gym, Gnarly Nutrition has all of your recovery needs. The only question you need to ask yourself is, are you a sucker for anything that tastes like chocolate ice cream? Yeah, me neither. Gnarly Nutrition is designed to enhance your progress and tastes like a milkshake without all the crap. Um, I just turned on. Just us? September 22nd. What's your favorite thing about podcasting? My favorite part, we have like a challenge at the end. I like reading the challenge to them. It's like an animal challenge. I go outside by a creek and build like a little amphibian home. Also, do a jewelry shop. For now, we're selling bracelets like handmade by us, but we're eventually going to sell like soaps, necklaces, and our title is Cedar and Oaks Jewelry Shop because we're both named after a tree. Wow. You know, you're raising such an entrepreneur. Are you aware of this? Yeah, she's probably born that way. Probably forced her into it by brainwashing you from a young age. Hey, welcome back to season four. This is For the Love of Climbing. And that was Cedar, who, as the story goes, was named after a tree. And she doesn't just have a podcast. Cedar is a hashtag independent woman of the 21st century. 
She's only nine, but she's achieved a lot in her almost decade of being alive. She has a podcast. She's sort of a do-it-yourself queen with a very promising future in business. She's a rock climber, an accomplished video game champion thanks to COVID, and she likes a lot of, you know, normal kid stuff. I like being outside and in the wild and in nature because I just like wandering around in the woods and seeing what cool things I can find. Like, there's a lot of black-eyed Susans. Who doesn't love black-eyed Susans? Cedar's growing up in the gorge, and she's healthy and strong and excited about a lot of things in her life. But she wasn't always healthy and strong. Cedar has something called progressive familial intrapahatic cholestasis otherwise known as PFIC. In Cedar's own words, it's a rare liver disease that a lot of kids have. Not a lot, but like. What's a lot? What's not? Like, it's kind of like a little special gift. I like that. What do you mean a special gift? Like, very few kids have it, so that's like really cool, and it's really cool that I'm one of them. It's not like all in the same, like, country, it's like all in like different parts of the world. Speaking of different parts of the world, we didn't have quite enough time to meet up with Cedar's mom, Emily. But Emily's awesome, and she helped make this episode better by providing more information about this rare genetic disease. Hello, my name is Emily Ventura, and I have the privilege of being Cedar's mom. Hey, Cedar, it's mom. It's super cool to hear that you're on a podcast, and it's crazy how much you've grown up. There's a million things that I'd want the world to know about you. You've been through so much in your young life. You've learned to speak up for yourself, ask questions, take charge of what's happening to you and your body, and that's an incredible skill. But really what I'd want the world to know about you, about Cedar, is how thoughtful, kind, and creative you are. You think of others way before yourself, and you'd help anyone in need. You put a lot of thought behind those things, and I'm so proud that I get to call you my daughter. I love you very much, and you're my hero. We're back with 10 new episodes of Life told through a climbing lens. This episode is made possible by friends at Deuter USA, LA Outdoor, Gnarly Nutrition, First Ascent Coffee, and presented by Patagonia. This is episode 26. Ladies first. So, I'm nine. My name is Cedar, and I'm named after a tree. And I'm in the gorge, and I was born in 2011. My birthday September 22nd. Virgo. Oh, good one. <laughs> That's hard to top, Cedar. Well, I'm Cedar's dad. My name's Dario Ventura. And I also live in the gorge. Uh, and yeah, I spend a lot of time with Cedar being her dad. I don't even like to say nice things to Cedar in front of her face. No, uh, that's not true. It's pretty easy being Cedar's dad, especially from her early childhood. It was such a struggle as a parent, and now that she's healthy and grown up, and <laughs> she used to cry a lot. Now she cries if I pick on her too much, but no, I mean, now it's like it's almost like reaping the benefits of childhood. And she's still a child, but it seems so easy, and it's just totally different, yeah, it's like, after you go through what she's been through, it's, it's pretty easy. And I 
like to play basketball together, and um, he likes to pick on me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Keep you humble. You're listening to For the Love of Climbing podcast. This is not a climbing podcast. Well, sort of. This is a funny, sad, and somewhat uncomfortable podcast about choosing vulnerability and talking openly about our pain. This podcast is sponsored by Dirt Bike Climbers. Here's the show. So they like, I mean, I don't know what's in them, but. <laughs> can you put it up, can you? Hydro. Cortisone. Cortisone. Oh, you did that better than me. Uh, oh, this is a hard one. Mitro. Fellowate. Mitro. Mitro. Fellowate. That's not right. Mitro. And taculimus. Taculimus. I remember that one. This one is a steroid. She's supposed to be off steroids, but still on those. And then these two are to lower your immune system. Yeah. They're very time sensitive. Like she can't miss them or but, go over time. But the pills just keep my liver healthy. That's what, that's what pills are supposed to do, keep you healthy. <laughs> and that's exactly what these pills are doing. Cedar will be on immunosuppressive medications for the rest of her life, but... She's got that shit dialed. I used to be so bad at taking pills, like I'd have to take them with applesauce. And then once I learned, I was like, I'm going to take this one slowly. And then I learned more, and I was like, I'm going to take all five of these at one at a time. Yeah, the pill thing was definitely a hurdle. <laughs> Ice yeah. cream, applesauce, marshmallows. I put pills in you name it to get you... <laughs> but also there's like one gross pill and sometimes like the ingredients dissolve in my mouth and I'm like ew ew. Well, you had a lot of liquid medicines for a really and, long time and they but were then disgusting. I just like take as fast as I can like shove it down my throat and like finally I got that one done. She had this multivitamin that was like neon orange and it would stain anything it touched. Yeah, it anything. Like, but she loved the taste of it. And it I tasted loved it. Like, I loved I it. I tasted it because I was like, I got to try this. But it tasted like straight dirt. And she I loved, loved it. it. I loved it. <laughs> so the gorge that we keep referring to is the Red River Gorge. And even if you've never been to East Central Kentucky, any climber worth their salt knows that it's one of climbing's premier sport climbing destinations. And the trad is pretty good, too. The Red is actually a designated geological area and a national natural landmark. And the gorge itself is a canyon system with a huge volume of routes spread throughout Daniel Boone National Forest. The Red is managed by U.S. Forest Service and thanks to organizations like the Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition, Mirror Valley, and the Graining Fork Nature Preserve, climbing is allowed within its borders. Pretty cool. And of course, we can't forget the epicenter of climbing, Miguel's Pizza. And that's where Dario and Cedar live now. That's where Cedar has grown up her whole life with her mom, Emily, and climbing just a stone's throw from her backyard. Actually, when she was really young, I had like a crib at the crag that I would put her in and just leave her. I know you don't remember this, but when I'd bolt walls, I brought a crib to the wall and I'd leave you in the crib and you usually just cry. But then I'd put you, once you fell asleep, she would sleep because she'd be crying for so long. 
But that time, you know, she wasn't diagnosed for a long time, so she was just a really whiny baby. <laughs> Besides the crying, the biggest thing was is she started itching. A lot. Like a lot. You know, at first you're like, oh, dry skin. You put lotion on, you're like, oh, that's not working. You know, and it just kind of got worse. And we go on the doctor and no one was really sure what was going on kind of thing, you know, because it's not like the first test that comes to anyone's mind, you know. Uh, so then the itching got like really bad to where we like started like duct taping gloves onto her. And then, you know, I mean, she'd wake up in the morning with like a bloody face and like just pretty much just tearing her skin off. And then she started showing some jaundice. So she got yelling of the eyes and her skin. And the skin wasn't obvious at first because like I'm Portuguese. So it's like dark skin. And I don't know. It just didn't seem that crazy. Right. You know. Did you know that the average size for a five-month-old baby is about 25 inches? That means cedar was roughly 45 times as long as an aspirin or twice as long as a hot dog. That's 350 times as wide as a strand of spaghetti or one ten-thousandth as long as the Las Vegas Strip. What we're trying to say is that cedar was tiny. Babies are really, really, really small. And when Cedar was five months old, she was only 0.0000002 times as long as the distance from the Earth to the moon. And that distance was also about as long as Dario and Emily's frustrations would grow. At five months, Cedar's symptoms started showing up. It began with developing bruises on her back, and they didn't go away. Swiftly taken to the ED, Cedar was going into full-blown liver failure, and nobody knew why. Six weeks after visiting a specialist in Cincinnati, they finally had an answer. Genetic testing diagnosed Cedar with PFIC2. That was almost like a victory alone, you know, just because once you can say, oh, this is what my child has, and then there's a whole different road that you follow down. It was the uncertainty to that point that was like really the hardest. Back then, online information about PFIC was scarce, but there's been a steady progress since then, especially thanks to Emily, who now co-leads PFIC Advocacy Network. Not knowing was always the scary part, having to live in that weird in-between no-man's land for an uncertain amount of time. But becoming more knowledgeable about this genetic disorder was the first step. Basically, what PFIC does to the body is it complicates bile production. Bile is the fluid that your liver makes in order to digest fats. Bile formation carries toxins out of the body, so the lack of proper flow leads to waste buildup. That's what causes the itching and jaundice. And treatment is really complicated. All of this was while Emily and Dario were just learning how to settle into the role of parenthood for the first time. The vitamin supplements were one part, but multiple surgeries are often required. So doctors basically gave Cedar a side belly button in order to repurpose a part of the intestine to help siphon waste and cut a chunk out of her intestine. They put the drain in her stomach and then she had like a bag, a bile bag that collected. change it. Which that's where mom and dad get lots of good victory points there because we had to change it four times, five times a day and it was a pretty big bag. You would not believe how much bile the human body produces. It's insane. I know, like, like every other hour we would have to empty it. It's like, wow, that's so yeah, much bile. Yeah, and it bile. was like the color of like orange Gatorade. It was like, and it, it was yellow. It was awful. yellow. It was yellow. 
it got to a point where I'd have to wake up in the middle of the night and drain it because it would fill the bag up like a balloon. And then once the seal that we put on her side couldn't take it on her, it would just explode. So then she'd wake up in the middle of the night just like covered in bile in bed. And usually it was in bed with us. <laughs> so then there'd be bile. I mean, everything was covered in bile. And that would happen like literally once a week. Or she was sleeping, she would roll over, and then the pressure of all the fluid would just shoot out the side. I remember, like, draining it, changing it, watching it fill up. Yeah. But then, we did it so much that I could do it by myself. Yeah, towards the end of it, she was, because you had to custom cut a hole out in this bag. I mean, it was really not state-of-the-art technology we're talking about here. But you'd have to cut, like, the hole out of this thing, and you had to, like, use these scissors and get it just right, because obviously every stoma is, like, different on every kid, so they can't make a standard size. But by the end, you know, she was draining it herself. She'd go in the bathroom like she'd go pee, and she would just drain her bile into the toilet. The shitty thing, no pun intended here, for all intents and purposes, was that a liver transplant could help, meaning that Cedar would lose the bag. But the trade-off was that she would have to have a liver transplant, which is a scary thing at any age. But Cedar's also not just any kid, and she's had to be adaptable and brave and stare scary things in the face since she was quite literally a baby. She's been around hospitals and doctors so much that she's basically a pro. I mean, things like getting her blood drawn doesn't even phase her. Like, it doesn't even hurt. Pro or not, a lot of weird stuff was happening inside of Cedar's body. By the time she was five, Cedar's liver was becoming more and more stressed, and her symptoms were only getting worse. As the doctors, Emily and Dario, all carefully watched her labs to monitor the levels of her liver enzymes, a transplant would become more likely. Her vitamin levels had dropped chronically low. Her spleen enlarged, trapping platelets and other blood cells, and she was growing more and more fatigued during her day-to-day. There were so many variables for receiving a new liver, which turned it all into a numbers game. Sometimes her numbers would be low, bringing her body down, but not actually causing liver failure. And other times, Emily and Dario would go to a different hospital and get a completely different answer. But the one unchangeable thing was that Cedar's health was a ticking time bomb, and she needed to get on that transplant list. But the whole medical industry, you like walk into an emergency room and you're like, hey, my child has PFIC2, and they just, they don't know what you're talking about. You know, and Emily being a nurse really knew how to take on the system and be like, no, listen, this is her situation. Here's the doctor, call this doctor, you know, and it took a while to figure that whole process out and realize that that's what needed to be done. They have like a wall in the transplant floor, and it's not any bears, if you think about it. It's like four rows of them. Yeah, I'd say it's probably four. 50 bears, but once you have a successful liver trend, you get to make this bear and put up on the wall. And it was kind of like this big deal because through the whole process where these bears stopped was kind of where the little cafeteria was. So you always want by this like wall of bears every day. And it was kind of like this weird, like, oh, are we going to get a bear on that wall? You know, Yeah, and then we just watched your numbers, I guess, for ever. And then all of a sudden, it was kind of obvious her numbers were starting to trend down. And 
uh, she started getting jaundice again. And then that was like the weirdest part because then once you're like, okay, your child needs a transplant, it becomes like this presentation, you know, like you got the packet and it was like, we had to take CPR classes. I mean, like you go down the whole gauntlet. I mean, this is a big deal. Um, that was probably the scariest time of the whole thing is when she went on to the list because the list is a window, right? They kind of make it seem like almost a reality show and the weirdest, you know, it's just like they lay it out, like here's your window, you know, you know, and then it's everything has grades and you as a patient, Cedar as a patient gets a grade and then her grade pushes her up the list kind of thing. But it's a grade that spikes and also falls back down on the back end. So you have a window of having a need for the liver, but then once you're past that, that also drops off the backside and then you start dropping back down the line. So it's like, when you think that as a parent, you're like, what? When she was on the list, she started to come almost, I think, to the backside of being very favorable to kind of being less favorable. I think it was that day that he was like, well, this is kind of the day. Cedar gets a transplant after we come back. We're working with BetterHelp to connect you to licensed therapists. They'll match you with the perfect therapist for a fraction of the cost of traditional therapy. You know who goes to therapy? Prince Harry, Emma Stone, Jenny Slate, Kesha. Therapy is beautiful. Everyone should go to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com slash climbing to sign up and receive 10% off your first month. It helps support the show and it helps support you. Even though we say it in different ways, our message is the same. Climbing is our home. Community is rock solid. People I like feel connected to. The support and love. Human connection, that's what we're all striving for. That's what climbing is to me, it's magic. Whether we do it to find connection within ourselves, with each other, with the land, or for the food. Okay, it's kind of always about the food. Climbing shapes us as individuals and a collective. These are the voices that make up a community, the ones that call us back home. What has climbing taught you? Uh, Climbing's taught me. Climbing has taught me. Taught me to be patient is, you know, great things take time. I wake up and I think about climbing. What's the real reason that you climb? I go to sleep thinking about climbing. The crack food. All of the food. Each climber's voice is a point of contact into the broader community. Connect with more stories and check out Patagonia's climbing apparel that's built to move and built to last at patagonia.com slash climbing. My mom and me are out climbing, like, and we just rushed to the hospital. Yeah, I was and climbing. Then, so you're never probably going to be prepared for, like, what day it's going to be. So you're, like, never going to be like, oh, this, yeah, I need so this. so weird. Yeah, anytime you get a phone call, you'd be like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was at the load and you were at Chocolate Factory, maybe? That's just usually how it works. First, you get a phone call. Oh, hey, your new liver is in, and you just sort of drop everything that you're doing because time is of the essence, and there's no real way to prepare or know when it's going to happen. 
He almost fainted. Well, it wasn't that. It's just that we put her on an operating table to get ready to go in. And then you kind of can say your, like, last, hey, you know, like, have a good time because you can't go with them. And I have her hand, and then they, like, give her the medicine to knock her out. But she starts freaking out because she's, like, losing consciousness and losing touch with us. And it's, like, grasping for us. And it's just, like, it was this image of her, like, being like, <gasps> you know? And then just being like, go. <laughs> And I was just like, oh no, you know, it was like almost watching somebody drown to put yeah. it in perspective. It was just like, oh my God, you're like drowning in your own mind here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, what are we here for? Like, what's the purpose? Why are we doing this? It just felt really weird. We're like, what's happening? But then I, I have some pictures of me when I was asleep. Like my face was just kind of yellow. It was like, ugh. One thing I remember, like, right after I was, like, done with my surgery, I remember taking my stitches out. And I had this, like, 20-minute fight about who was going to take my stitches out and finally decided the nurses. Because it hurts so badly. Cedar has become a pro of, and we just know it now, but, like, pretty much she's got to the point at the hospital where she tells the nurse where to stick her in the arm. She probably knows more about, like, the hospital process than, like, some new nurses do. I swear to God, she's just so, or terms, I mean, she has it so dialed. It's a lot more casual to talk about Cedar surgery now, but in the moment, so many things were happening all at once. And yet waiting for a new liver felt like an eternity. Despite how hard the decision was to make, Emily, Dario, and Cedar's doctors all knew that they'd made the right one. And when the time did come, there were definitely complications. Cedar's blood pressure spiking high during surgery being one of them. But family and friends and climbers alike all rallied behind them. We needed it at that time. We were worn out. I mean, your surgery was like, it took all night. I forget what the nurse is. There's a name for the nurse that her job is, she's like the liaison from the operating room to the parents. I forget there's an actual name for that person, but that mm. woman deserves all the credit in the world because I felt so sorry for her because she has to come in and be like, hey, your child's heart's having trouble staying beating right now. We're doing what we can to get it going. You're just, and then she's like leaves the room and you're just like, what? <laughs> you know, she has to do that so much. I just can't like... After that whole process, I was like, God, what a saint. It was a huge outpouring of endless, can I do this, this, you know, everything that didn't revolve around us being in that hospital was pretty much taken care of by friends, family, and just like the support, you know, plenty of people just drove up and like we left the hospital and we went and had a beer and just sat down and talked or had a meal together and you know, how much it means when you've been in a hospital for weeks to get out and just sit down and go, it is priceless at that time and uh, I didn't doubt that people wouldn't be there for us. I mean, we're such a small community here, and there's so many people that have been part of this community forever. Even when I, as a kid, if I look at photos of my birthday parties as a kid, it wasn't like me and a bunch of kids. It was me and a bunch of rock climbers that happened to be at Miguel's. You know, so it's like any family event that we've ever had growing up in our lifestyle at Miguel's, it was really just like some family and all the climbers that were at Miguel's or that you were friends with or happened to be in town for the fall or the spring, you know. So when something like this happened, I'd 
I never had any doubt in that. I, I think I have a lot of faith in people. I mean, I want to say at that time, like $20,000 was raised in like three days. You know, it was just like overwhelming. You know, it was like, holy crap. I'm always hesitant, sometimes weird about people that want to help me. But that was the one point in my life I was like, okay, let's, let's thank you. I mean, you can ask any of your friends. I, I hate to ask for help, but I, I should. I should ask for more help. But then that's the one thing when it comes to health, I was actually thinking about it last night, like how climbers are generally healthy people. And so like being in the hospital and just how you don't realize how being healthy is like, it's like a staple, it's nothing else really matters. And I'm not a health nut, you know, like I drink and I have a good time, but we take for granted how being capable is a blessing in itself, like take everything else out of it. When you spend like months and see how much suffering somebody can go through and survive, you're just like, God, we should be really thankful. <laughs> and that, I think that's just like the human condition. I don't think we realize how fortunate we are to be healthy until we're not healthy. I mean, my grandparents, you know, always said that if you wake up healthy and happy, you know, that that's it. You have everything you need, right? And uh, you lose track of that. But stuff like that really then brings it full spectrum. You start, you start, well, you just start looking at like things that annoy you in life and you start weighing them and you're like, eh. <laughs> and like, ooh, Cedar, I mean, you know, like being on a floor like where she is and you're there for a month and just seeing all the pain like 30 rooms of just these lives. And there was kids plenty around her that were not going down the good track, you know, and you would see them come in and then you would see them leave and it wouldn't be happy. And just being like, God, every day this is constantly happening and these are people just in pain and suffering and like, obviously everyone's gonna lose touch with that, right? But I think it's something we maybe should remind ourselves more. <laughs> because I mean, as climbers, we're like, we're so caught up in our like, you know, being healthy, doing, doing outdoor stuff. That's awesome, but. But, you know, you're you're the good ending, right? It's, yeah, you're a funny kid. And it probably, maybe you would have grown, maybe you would have been like a real whiny, spoiled little nine-year-old, but it humbled you and made you appreciate things. Maybe it was for the best. <laughs> <laughs> Life has changed a lot for Cedar, to say the least. She's healthy and nine and has a podcast and is growing up. And even though she and Emily and Dario all still have struggles ahead of them, they're not living in that weird ambiguity of what do we do? They have a plan, they have resources, and most importantly, they have each other. She used to be on 10 pills. She used to be on a whole pile of pills. Now I'm four. She's still on immune suppressant, so there's a whole gauntlet of problems we have to deal with. Hence, coronavirus really not affecting us because we've been wearing masks before. It was cool. <laughs> it's like, before corona, like, why are you wearing a mask? Like, yeah, but here's the thing. I'm high risk and all this. And then... Any season where there's not corona is a good season. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is Corona was a blessing too, in a weird way for us, because we got quarantined with climbing right out our front yard. So we spent three months just daddy daughter climbing. Actually, we barely climbed. Yeah, we didn't climb as much. Yeah. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> 
her mom has pfic.org, which is getting more people aware that this disease exists. I mean, if you searched it, literally nothing came up. <laughs> so it just kind of didn't exist. And her mom's hope, and obviously my hope, is that the medical field is, you know, because eventually Cedar will need another transplant at some point. What? Yeah, you know that. I did not know that. <laughs> you didn't know that. Did I just spill the beans? Yeah, you did. Uh, well, eventually you'll probably need another liver transplant. And then our hope is that, you know, the more this is talked about, the more it gets out there. And then at the end, we'll maybe help her in her future. Yeah. But I would say my mindset is that this is now. Let's just enjoy this. It's like my liver was bad and then my liver started doing well. I got used to taking care of it and I'm like, I feel stronger than I was when I was a baby because I know how to handle it now. I've got my pills dialed down, I know how to change my bio. I know if my labs are good or not or if I have to go to the hospital or not. Now I know what to do, when to do it, and why I have to do it. What do you think that would tell any kid going through what you went through what the advice like? Actually, that's a kind of easy, kind of hard question because I've actually told other kids like me have had have been through this and now I kind of understand like because there's like other kids that are struggling like going with what I'm going through. So like we say, oh, this is what I have and this is what I've been through. But at the end, as hard as I can, but all that matters is if I fall, it only matters if I fall trying. I learned that from my mom and dad. That's true, because we both fall a lot and we try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody trying to go, yeah, the party jumping off, and we putting on a show, trying to catch a vibe, we do this every time, like, na 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 this is where I want to stay, na 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 I could do this every day, na 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 it don't matter what they say, Emily Ventura is the founder and executive director of PFIC Network. This 501c3's mission is to improve the lives of patients and families worldwide as they work towards the goal of better understanding the needs of the community. Find out more by visiting pfic.org. Um, so my podcast is called Creature Adventures with Cedar and Ayla, something like that. Creature Adventures with Cedar and Ayla. And we basically talk about a different animal every episode. So the first episode we did, we talked about owls. So we tell the names and like, did you know this and this and this? And then we each say a fun fact. And also we say like a challenge at the end. Just like go outside and do this. And then we also did one about amphibians. And it was so cool. Even though I still have no idea what I'm doing, things are happening. And if you'd like to help out and support us, check out patreon.com, where you can sponsor us for as little as one cup of bodega coffee. It really helps keep this podcast going. And for the record, we love bodega coffee. Special shout out to Peter Darmy because he makes this thing sound good. 
You're listening to For the Love of Climbing podcast. A huge thank you to Deuter, one of the leading backpack brands that will help you hit the trails with confidence and comfort. And a big thank you to Gnarly Nutrition for supporting this podcast and the messages that we share. Gnarly Nutrition supports a community of vulnerability and equality and tastes like a milkshake without all the crap. A big shout out to LA Outdoor for supporting the Access Fund and 1% for the planet. And thanks to Patagonia. Not bound by convention, Patagonia is in business to save our home planet. Support companies who support this podcast. We couldn't do it without them. If you liked what you heard, you can leave a review on iTunes. Or give us a like. Like all good things, you can find us on the internet. Until next time. Until next time.